What day is it? Judgment Day. You just came in with the fresh recruits. This is not the end. The invasion will fail along with every soldier you are sending. We lose this is not everything. The end. Come find me when you wake up. You happened to me. You hijacked their power. I need your help. With what exactly? Winning the war. We can do this. Just come here every day and I'll train you. This is not no matter what I do, it's as far as you go. Why does it matter what happens to me? I'm not a soldier. Of course you're not. You're a weapon. Hashtag live, die, repeat, which is a far better title. In the original title. And the book title is even better because that is all you need is kill. <laughs> also better than Edge of Tomorrow, which is like yeah. nothing. Anyway. Edging, edging tomorrow. Edging tomorrow. <laughs> that is that is a title by committee, if ever I have heard one. It's <laughs> tomorrow. Fine, put it on the poster. Uh, you know what? I personally yeah. liked uh, Live, Die, Repeat. No one else, everyone else thought it reminded them of like a washing machine cycle. So you know what? 
put it put it on the title. We're just gonna <laughs> Prince Lather Repeat. My favorite Tim like... Cruise movie. <laughs> Sounds like shampoo. Yeah. Hey, exactly. You can't have people repeat. thinking about shampoo when they're doing time loops. It'll be rinse, luxurious. Rinse after. lather, rinse lather, repeat. Um, okay, welcome to movie night extravaganza. Um, tonight we are doing episode forty-seven, talking about the uh, Tom Cruise and Emily Blunt, um, you know, time loop uh, alien adventure extravaganza, whatever you know. Not to reuse that phrase, I guess, but you know, romp, romp, romp in the. Uh, Romp in the old Europe. Um, <laughs> I'm here with uh, with my co-host Jay Andrew World. How's it going? Hey, you know the last 17 times we did this podcast on this episode that uh, I did tonight worked pretty well. Hopefully, uh, number 18 is going to work just as well. <laughs> this isn't the first time we've had this conversation. Um, <laughs> well all right, uh, host of Protonic Reversal, which just you know happened. <laughs> um, like you know, fifteen minutes ago or something, and uh, and of course Conan Neutron and the Secret Friends. Conan Neutron, come on down and claim your prize. As, as, as the, uh, as the most, most stressed out streamer, yes, yeah. go go go. And they all go Neutron, go Neutron, go. Yeah. And we are once again joined by Erica Strout, a Georgia-based filmmaker, music video director, and musician. She's half of the musical duo Dream Tent, plays guitar and sings, and motherfucker. And the live bands of Conan Neutron and the Secret Friends. God, you make me sound so busy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, happy to be here for the 18th time. Great. She's seen me like this. She's seen me like this before. So, you know. 18th time in the same week, right? Right. <laughs> exactly. We've done this stream at least 18 times. So. <laughs> I've been uh I've been I've been thinking about that. Um there's like this reggaeton song. That's like Tom Cruise, Tom Cruise. I really think that I'm Tom Cruise. And I've had that stuck in my head on repeat all fucking day. And I don't, you know, but uh, starting the conversation there, this is an interesting movie, I think, because uh, Tom Cruise usually does the, I mean, I, I was watching uh, Doug Lyman who directed it talking about this. And, you know, Tom Cruise usually is like badass from the beginning, right? He's either a spy or like some kind of like, you know, secret agent going through different places, kind of running through the corridors of, of everything. And in this movie, he's kind of a, a bumbling coward. So it's it's kind of funny to see him express his range like that. Um, what welcome to why? I, well, he's definitely he's definitely a coward, and he's, he's definitely, definitely a coward. Yeah, he's ill suited. At the, I just I mean I guess I see him as a little bit of a smooth talker too. Like it's kind of his job, right? Is to like yeah convince yeah. people of things. He's part of the lanyard class in Washington D.C. Um, yeah, you know uh, well, certainly. Sorry, I know I was actually talking about this with with uh, um, Lee uh, Anders Lee on um, uh, GTAA uh, this week, so so like it's all kind of blurred together. But you know, like that that's that's like a you know if you don't know, it's like this kind of like overeducated pseudo smart people that that uh, uh, operate in DC that um, are <coughs> you know media savvy but aren't really that smart. Or have any other useful skills, but are convinced that they're brilliant, and, and that's yes. one of the things that I love so much about this movie is the fact that it's Tom Cruise actually acting like he's playing against type, and the fact that he's been cast as like, oh, he's the guy that's going to save everybody. In this case, like, no, he's just like kind of a smooth talker. Like, I'm going to use Andy. You'll appreciate this a Battlestar Galactica reference. He's kind of a Gaius Baltar sort of type. Like, he sort of just gets by on his like 
charisma and like good enough looks and <laughs> just ends up in these situations where he's completely out of his out of his element in any way, shape or form, but will not in any way, shape or form admit it. And that's why I, I like this movie, because you get to see him just fail in the most like obscene ways possible. Like just like you could not un unless you were like like your pants fell down while taking a dump and a grenade landed in your lap that you tried to throw. Like there's no other way the, like in, in a lot of ways with, with these scenarios that you get to see this guy more embarrassed, but then by the same token, because this is the first of the groundhogs day style movies, you get to see the character grow and kind of realize like, okay, maybe I don't know everything. And that's where it starts. Right. Is, is that I don't know everything. I, I, Hopefully, most of the people watching this kind of already realize that, but like people like the Tom Cruise character in this don't, and they go through life with their white privilege and their and their just general Last privilege, battery. huh? Hmm. Dutch Last privilege. <laughs> oh, I thought you said Dutch courage, which is a totally different thing. <laughs> oh, is that what Malord is? Uh, yeah, I mean, it could be not for me. I've not searched videos <laughs> like that, <laughs> but. Like this guy, you get to see him grow as a human being, maybe for the first time his entire life. What's amazing about it is he's happening in a time loop. That's what's great. And what's also amazing about it is it's basically like one of the best action movies of the past 10 years, too. And that that's astounding to me that they could pull off both of those things. It's also astounding they managed to fuck it up so bad by calling it something so generic you can barely not remember the name. You know, like it's yeah, I didn't like, think that that this is what this movie was when I saw the because I've yeah. seen the posters everywhere. Why would you? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, but I, it, I think that. Oh no, go ahead, Erica. Oh, I was just gonna say, is "Live Die Repeats" like the tagline, I guess, for the movie? I've seen it all over the advertising, but they decided not to call it that. And then on home video release, they unofficially renamed the movie to that, which is so much better. Oh, okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's so a, much better unofficial thing because so so like in big letters you'll see live die repeat and then in tiny letters edging tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> and andy what was it what was oh, the manga uh, oh oh the, um oh, actually it was a novel not a manga it was then adopted into into a manga okay um but it's called um all you yeah, need is kill. i looked it up so <laughs> well I looked it up. yeah i'm so, intrigued to read the novel at some point the the tom cruise character i think follows into this um this kind of long tradition of like the armchair general, right? Like obviously he's not a general, but he's, he's the guy that's gone on TV and been in a comfortable studio and mm -hmm. had this high, this high rank as an officer, never had to see combat, never had to see actual blood, but has sold the entire country on kind of going into this war with this, uh, you know, with this really, really cool looking Iron Man style suit. And, you know, going into battle and being like, listen, this is going to be fucking awesome. This is going to be like, you know, you're just going to kick ass. You're going to wear this cool suit. Like, you got this armor. The Greatest is liberators. Won. It'll be great. Yeah. Yeah, it's <laughs> we won, like we the, won this uh... one battle that was, like, fucking awesome. And, like, now we have the, the you know, the person that won the battle, the woman. I mean, who Emily Blunt's character. But, like, you don't know that at the time that, you know, that 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 she's going to play a big role in the movie. Going by mm -hmm. as, like, an Avenger almost. Like, they've sold her as some kind of um, huge PR star. So. Yeah. You know, for him, the first thing, uh, you know, because obviously there's the American army still, the U.S. army, and then there's also this international army that's been raised by pretty much every country. Um, it seems like 
Russia yeah. and China are doing the the dirty work, which is kind of funny that you know it's that just happened like World in, War II. Uh, yeah, that's what I was gonna say. <laughs> and there's a lot of fucking World War II just references too. in this movie too. Mm -hmm. But um, totally. Yeah, so he seems like he's he's gone on TV, he's gone on CNN, he's gone on you know MSNBC, he's gone on all these big networks because they still exist in this movie. It's supposed to be around now, and he's sold this technology to people that you know. Um, so they so they'll they'll join like the international military. Uh, in order to fight these aliens. And that's where the movie kind of starts. And, and the technology, okay. just, just as a fun side note, is what was in the book Starship Troopers, but not the movie. Right. Um, so so it's kind of a, a neat little like like uh this is this is the missing part from the book of Starship Troopers besides the uh no well the 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 purposeful uh, you know sincere fascism. Not the sarcastic fascism we got. But the yeah, the, the, <laughs> the side knife towards uh, things like the United Nations that were just completely unnecessary. It's like, yeah, it didn't really turn out that way. So you kind of like an asshole, Heinlein. But anyway, <laughs> but but yeah, this this movie seems to um, kind of cast both both uh, the U.S. military, the people that sell us on wars, and um, you know this international uh, military force as kind of um, incredibly bumbling, easy to kill, kind of like, you know, easy to destroy. Um, and, and it seems to cast them as uh, totally incompetent, which is interesting. But then, you know, my argument is that, you know, having both um, uh, Emily Blunt's character, who, you know, is the, is the, um, the angel of Redun, like, because the first battle is obviously the battle of Redun, and she has done the same time loop, we find out, as, um, as Tom Cruise, and her battle is kind of won in that way. She had redone but, it over and over again. Yeah, <laughs> but like, so also, but also Tom Cruise, um, uh, you know, as this kind of armchair TV uh, major. Um, so, so I, I think, I think it's interesting to have that, um, th those characters turn into kind of um, basically soldiers of fortune. And, uh, you know, yeah. it's interesting that that is um, seems like at least the Biden administration, Afghanistan policy, it seems like the future of warfare in the Middle East as these conflicts kind of die down. You know, the soldier of fortune, um, you know, intelligence uh, agencies and kind of, um, you know, uh, paid mercenaries are going to be the future of on the ground combat, whereas uh, these these large boots on the ground conflicts will still probably happen, but won't be as high priority. Um, as kind of the Biden administration pivots away from uh, our policy in the Middle East to a much more um, intelligence-based approach to a Cold War with China. Mm -hmm. Although, you know, it seems like he wants a hot war with China, to be honest with you. That's just, yeah. you know. <laughs> he wants to sniff it out. He wants, like, to sniff, yeah. he wants to sniff out conflict with the Chinese. Daddy Biden, you know, fought in <laughs> Korea. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I was gonna make a joke about it, like a Chinese food dish, but like that's fine. That's we can go that way. That's okay. Hot war with China. It's, uh, yeah. Get the number seventeen. Anyway, but the <laughs> thing that I was kind of going with with that is, that I like that it kind of starts off being like push button war, cable news, armchair general, but then it shows you almost Saving Private Ryan style, like how brutal it is in the front lines, especially with like. The fact that what they're selling and how the story that they're trying to tell for like what this is versus what it actually is, are, there's this wild dichotomy where, I mean, look, it's not mm -hmm. come and see, which is the high watermark for like, hey, isn't war fucked up sort of movies, but yeah. like, it's pretty brutal, and you, I mean, you get yeah. to see Tom Cruise experience that, which is delicious on a number yeah. of levels, but like also like 
I feel like this movie to a certain degree is Tom Cruise doing penance as well. Like doing penance for like all the nationalistic, like, you know, rah, rah, go America, you Fuck know, let's go get them. Yeah. Like all that stuff. But then also like the culmination of hilariously, like, you know, him leaning at the Tropic Thunder thing of kind of developing a sense of self and a sense of humor in some limited capacity about his place in the world and what he's done. The fact that he's like, Hey, this guy's not the hero. Like he get he gets to like where he needs to be. But like this guy, like let's charitably say is the sidekick for the movie. Like in the way that think of big trouble in little China, right? Jack Burton isn't the hero. He thinks he's the hero. He, he talks like John Wayne, like he's the hero, but it's not, Jack Burton is the hero. He's ostensibly the psychic. In the same way, Emily Blunt is so clearly the hero in this movie. She's she's the one. She's it goes out of its way at the beginning to tell you what a badass Emily Blunt is. And it also happens to be true. And that's lovely. But the fact that Tom Cruise, as a you know, a semi-good-looking, like white guy of privilege, he's gonna assume that he's the hero in every situation situation he's in, and he gets his dick kicked in the dirt over and over and over and over again. And it's glorious on multiple levels, but not the least of which again is because it causes character growth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you feel um, like his, uh, um, his, his arc, his character development is, can also be paralleled with like, like an older Hollywood actor trying to like stay relevant Mm. like in a very much changing Hollywood Hollywood and culture. I didn't come up with that. I read it somewhere, but I just thought it was an interesting <laughs> thought. <laughs> just take credit. Be a white man. Just take credit for it anyway. I took, um, I, it was completely my idea. That's definitely a really interesting take because like, you know, you can see every time he dies, it's kind of, um, there's like a one in a million chance that like an older Hollywood actor, like, a middle-aged Hollywood actor, I think, is going to get like another one of those Tom Cruise roles. As my buddy Josh from Shiner played in Every Time I Die, by the way. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> but like, but each time he dies, it's kind of like he's taking a role that's like you know subpar. That it seems like he's going to be kind of the action hero, and then all of a sudden gets killed off. And mm-hmm. I, I think that as um, I, I could see that as like these action action stars get older and older, and you know it's harder and harder to maintain that uh, rock hard body, or you know. Um, or at sure. least like some kind of, uh, you know, some kind of like physical health to to be in these action movies. Like the roles get smaller and smaller, and I, I could see that being a, a a factor. I think it also I think goes a long way um, in showing like war almost uh, is sold like video games, and it, it's not video games. But like yeah. as we get into these like drone conflicts and stuff, and as technology gets better, it seems like it's going to be video games. And the fact that like kind of immediately he doesn't know what he's doing at all with the suit they don't train him and he gets instantly killed in the most like bloody fucking way possible like he literally melts um yeah. <laughs> the first yeah. time at least and then kind of just gets you know um like he he has the respawn button like all of a sudden he can you know go back to the beginning again and, and go through these things and it's kind of comical at that point but like you know yeah. over and over again he kind of gruesomely dies like my favorite my favorite death i think is the one where he's running with everybody and then he tries to go under the wheel of the uh he <laughs> tries to go under the wheel of the truck and then all of a sudden you hear like that that really that really like ah, scream <laughs> oh my god the look on bill paxton's face when he does that just fucking killed me one of my favorite scenes like it was so, so good so good and and great 
use of like semi dark comic effect to like what is a real thing if you're like in a time loop and basically it, it's not as if it's not as if um he's especially well suited to the situation at all mm -hmm. no but, pun intended of course no, of course <laughs> uh, but it, it's like when they talk about look and, and most of the talk about privilege is is fucking ridiculous but the idea of like you know the being born on third base thing it's like i think there's some merit to it and there's some merit to the fact that like knowing the answers to the test before the test happens you don't have to actually learn the information mm -hmm. you just know what the answers are like his character by nature of what he's experiencing gets to know what the answers are without even knowing why he's trying to cheat, which I think is astounding because as much as like, yes, all roads lead back to groundhogs day, which is brilliant for this kind of thing. But like as much as Bill Murray's like a curmudgeon and like not, you know, a bit, bit of a uh, misanthrope and so on and so on. He's not a cheat. He's just a bit of a dick. Whereas like Tom Cruise is both a dick and a cheat. <laughs> I, I I also think that you know I mean this this also is as our military in general has gotten bigger and bigger the roles and and the the role of PR has gotten bigger and bigger in advertising and marketing you know mm -hmm. we kind of um we we fetishize or at least the military fetishizes this on the ground combat role that people seem to have within it where it's like you know boots on the ground you're going in you're fighting the enemy whoever the enemy happens to be at that moment and like you know you're the one that kills them and you're the hero and it's not a good place to be like they don't put the people on the ground that are like you know higher up in rank they put the people on the ground that are just like you know the the impoverished kids that they've kind of seduced into joining by making it seem like video games like in this movie like that they've seduced into being one of one of like the grunts you know what i mean like one of the infantrymen like yeah. In, in this role where they can very easily be disposed of there's no yeah. real and, and and so this movie kind of um plays up on well, that for your really, college yeah <laughs> like, <laughs> right, exactly. done. yeah 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 you guys like call of duty right like, <laughs> y'all like thinking, video games <laughs> i'm also thinking of buster bluth from arrested development where he's like like flying those drone planes and then he doesn't know that what he's doing is actually happening he thinks yeah, he's yeah, just yeah. playing a video game like yeah but see but that's that's like a a tech job and as these uh as these fields mm -hmm. get bigger and bigger like they do train people to use those weapons by you know kind of making it seem like it's a video game and like you know there's been yeah. a lot of times people have interviewed drone operators who are like sitting you know comfortably in like kentucky and their mm -hmm. their drone is being used to like literally assassinate people in Afghanistan or Yemen or like you know like like yeah. Iraq because we're still there like just all of these places like it's possible to have a drone that's flying and you feel like almost like it's a video game because you're not seeing the person close up which is kind of the theory behind yeah. that right. textile of war but like yeah there's that separation but, yeah but then also like we don't we never talk about the role of like marketing and advertising in 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 the military and like. Or, or, I mean, we kind of talk about it, like we joke about it with, uh, you know, Reagan to, you know, bring Reagan up for the first time yeah. in this. For the first time <laughs> no. ever on this show, yes. <laughs> but like Reagan, Reagan was a, um, as someone who was like a, like a, you know, high profile Hollywood actor at the time, uh, his whole military service. And as he got dementia, it kind of, he started feeling like his military service actually happened, but it was that he was filming war propaganda movies. And he was like, you know, he was just one of the guys in the movies. They took him like, I think like, I think 60 or 70 miles from Hollywood 
and they had him like in a in an army barrack type thing at like a base and they're like all right we're gonna film these uh these these fake war propaganda movies today so that was like reagan's entire military service but like we're kind of in an, <laughs> military service yeah but like hey, we're, yeah, but yeah. we're in the age where we don't even have to really do like the i mean kind of every movie now is that kind of military propaganda like you know because we're in endless mm -hmm. war so like and maybe for lucky those... one of our viewers is actually a military recruiter because they they go all over twitch <laughs> yeah, <Die>. <laughs> <in> the comments. <laughs> oh these these people are not going to want to join the military we gotta look <laughs> elsewhere but no like shut this shit down <laughs> it's kind of it, it's really fucked up to make this joke but like i imagine like like if half of half of left flank vets audience are military recruiters that are like, oh, this isn't what I thought it was. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to turn left. <laughs> <laughs> left, right, left. Um, well, um, but, yeah, no, go so, ahead. I, so, so do you? Yeah, yeah. So, OK, th so there's a lot to unpack there. Right. And, and like, I think that that's all that's valid in the same way of this this movie doesn't glorify conflict either uh but but what no. it does is, is like it, it shows the real stakes of it in a way that none of the directors of the movies do like which are all more like hey aren't spies cool answer yeah. yes uh when I... <laughs> go ahead, in real life answer in real life not really but not really. answer <laughs> answer answer in movies yes answer in movies yes in real life not so much. and that has yeah. to do a lot with uh you know Ian Fleming writing the the James Bond yes. novels. Um, yeah, I, you know, after probably doing a lot more of a boring bureaucratic job as a uh, <laughs> as a spy in real life. I feel well, like I the, want... even though like this is kind of a bloody movie and there is good action in it, there's a good bit of action in it. Like I feel like the the battle is like kind of the background of the story anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Like the warfare it... of it. Which is what, which is such a great flex to, for me, because for me, I think it's one of the best, better action movies of the last ten years. But, but the action is not—that's not the conceit. Like the and action, it, but and there's stakes about... to the action too. Like, yes, like, um, uh, thank you. You know what? What, what I uh, I just watched the Hawkeye finale, and there were no stakes in that Hawkeye finale. Mm. You know, you, even though um, there, it was well choreographed, I'm going to give it that. You know, I love good <laughs> fight choreography, but good fight choreography doesn't make it you know doesn't give you sex if i may erica how do you how do you feel about the not just tom cruise in this movie but like the tom, tom cruise, cruise style of tom of cruise dude. i really think that i'm tom cruise <laughs> the tom cruise style of dude in life like in 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 like the film world and and like the music world like the dude that's like he's good enough i guess <laughs> like I, I don't know. For me, like, <laughs> I felt not personally attacked, but I'm like, I fucking know that guy, and I'm already pissed at this character. The second I first watched yeah. it, I'm like, this guy fucking sucks. Everything about this guy sucks. I, yeah. I'm not sure if I even like what I'm watching. And then to watch him just, again, I'm going to use the phrase once again, get his dick kicked in the dirt over and over and over again mm -hmm. was, was glorious. I'm like, fantastic. Over yeah, 300, yeah. over 300 times. Yeah, just over, just <laughs> rub your face in it, Tom Cruise. Like, you know, like, yeah. I was like, hell yeah. That yeah. I, just that. I can feel my oh, no, no, We're directing this to Erica, Andy. Take a, take, take a, take a seat. Oh, uh, yeah, he's a, he's a douche at the beginning of the movie. You know, like, it just like he was. 
from what I remember, I've been, it's been since the 90s since I saw Jerry Maguire, but I feel like what I remember of his character was that he was a douche at the beginning, and then he kind of like started to figure it out at least. I don't remember if he figured it out as much as he figures it out in this movie, but but yeah, I mean, what do I think of douchebags? Like, I'm not a fan. And it was, <laughs> I think it was, <laughs> it was really fun to watch him get killed a whole bunch. And from what I saw in interviews with him, like he had fun getting killed a whole bunch too. Like Emily Blunt saying that she had to like think of new ways to shoot someone in the head because <laughs> she had to kill him so many times for this film. Uh, and I guess it was a poorly articulated question and more extended oh. rant. Uh, for me, but like, <laughs> I'm sorry. I mean, for me, there was a certain amount of catharsis that I found with this movie. I'm like, hell yeah, Tom Cruise get got. Hell yeah. Mm -hmm. And I didn't expect to need that. But I was like, it yeah. made me actually more amenable to like the, the arc of the character to, to see this growth to be like, yeah, there's this guy that's like not just an icon of like the religion we shall not name, uh, not just an icon of of, of like action. Oh, you're talking about Tom Cruise himself as the actor, but then also the character as well. Okay, and, and to see the character was clearly the same kind of douche. Actually, you know what? A douche serves <laughs> a function, so maybe not the same kind of douche. Like this is a guy that yeah. the only function he serves is is the worst style of bottom feeding bullshit and to see him just over and over again get <sighs> face rubbed in it like yeah. I, culturally i think we needed that and i wish more people had seen this movie because of that so you know what you know what, you know what it kind ooh. of calls back to um the you know uh i think tom cruise's character um the first episode that you were on on the show obviously was sorry to bother you and right. when um <laughs> when Cash when Cassius Green is 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 upstairs, you know, finally makes it upstairs, and he's like, you know, before a plane comes in and, and drops a bunch of like bombs on a on a you know a village in Afghanistan, like who do you think drops the bomb ass sales pitch? Uh, you know, that's one of the lines, and it's it's Tom Cruise in this movie that's dropping the bomb ass sales pitch. E e hundred percent is this could be the same function. expanded universe. Yeah. Well, let's remember that like war propaganda is not new. No, like it's it's changed a lot. It's very different than it used to look, but it's certainly not a a new thing that governments and militaries have had to do. It's or prettier, felt like they had to do. It's more clever. But like, yeah, it's a, it's the same SSD. Yeah. Does anybody think that the the mimics in Edge of Tomorrow look like uh, squid tumbleweeds? Yeah. Yes. I was thinking that uh, they looked like you know that this movie was um, a rival for dumb people. <coughs> oh, a rival, a rival for dumb for, people. For, for dumb people, yes. Oh, you got the time travel. I like you both, got the squids. You know, especially okay, yeah. the same movie. That's Come on, that's I not fair. I think that's a little harsh, but uh, I, I like do both see movies. the parallels. I'll say that. I do see the parallels. I like both <laughs> movies, and I do both smart and stupid shit all the time. So there you go. Yeah, no, no. Oh, I good. mean, this is. Uh, I, I, I have a couple of. I have a couple of related clips to this because I have one where they talk about like the actual process of designing them, which I'll play after this. But Please. this is. Uh, this is Doug Lyman talking about um, where he got the idea to to. Uh, to make the aliens uh, look like this. And I also want to talk about Doug Lyman's career because I think it's interesting in the context of this movie after this, but. Um, Hell yeah. All right. Let's go, baby. 
Lemon. <laughs> I'm not a science fiction guy. Not a fantasy guy. You know, I, I like making movies about people. So, uh, you know, this Edge of Tomorrow obviously has a massive scale to it. Aliens have taken over all of Europe, mainland Europe, and they're poised to cross the English Channel into into England, and then from there cross over into America. And so we're we're holding them at bay in, in Europe, but they're about to break out. And Tom Cruise is is plunged in and sent to the front lines. You know, having no idea how to fight. And so the design of the aliens for me were entirely about most antagonizing Tom Cruise's character. You know, it started with character. It was, yeah, Tom has, who's been, you know, selling the war, you know, and telling, you know, convincing young soldiers to enlist, you know, and put on this suit of armor and you'll be a superhero. You'll be Iron Man. You get to go kill aliens in this suit of armor, this cool suit of armor, you know, suddenly finds himself on the front lines having to wear that suit of armor. And so I wanted to design an alien that if you were Tom Cruise, never having fought in your life, never having worn this suit of armor, plunged into the front lines of this epic battle, what would be the scariest possible thing you could confront? What would be the thing that you would want to just take that suit off and just take off running? And so I wanted to design an alien that was so fast that it suddenly made the suit of armor seem slow and almost claustrophobic and... Uh, but for me, you know, movies are always about character. And so every decision, every design decision always came back to what would be, what would bring out the best aspects of Tom Cruise's character, Emily Blunt's character. That's right. Yeah, the Starship Trooper that. suits are, uh, yeah, they, they look like uh, tanks. And I mean that as an insult by comparison with like the aliens like, yeah. whipping around and stuff. Yeah, they dig that a lot. That's a really good point that he... Our, he put so much thought into it. I love that. Well, I think fun, it, fun fact: okay. uh, we almost had a uh, Tom Cruise-led Iron Man movie in the '90s. What? Really? That would have, that would have been almost? very different. I don't feel Tom. Okay. What happened? Let's I, let, let's engage with this earnestly. I don't feel like Tom Cruise in the '90s was self-aware enough to be able to do that. Whereas Robert Downey Jr. is the perfect character because he also is. Has had his mental rehab. Yeah, exactly. America <laughs> getting right to the point. Whereas yeah. Tom, is, Tom Cruise is shaming Brooke Shields for going on antidepressants while she had postpartum. Like he doesn't know what that's like. And, and, yeah. and just to, you know, just so people know, uh, the most famous Iron Man story is Demon in the Bottle, where yeah. he went through a bout of alcoholism. So, well, so Robert oh, Downey Jr. is that. a very perfect person to play uh, yeah. that, and Tom Cruise is not. When they announced that it was going to be Robert Downey Jr., I was like, oh, okay. Like, I was like, that could be really cool. And lo, yeah. it and it was. Whole, yeah, lo, it was. <laughs> and the whole cottage industry of movies was created. But I think that that's, yeah. getting back to the clip we saw, like, part of that, the design and the uh, and the effects for, for the aliens and for, and for the suits and whatnot, supporting the characters. It sounds obvious, right? It sounds like, like, oh, of course they would. But like, no, think of how many of these terrible action movies, these soulless romps of, of just complete like, you know, hey, there's explosions. That's what you need, right? You fucking idiots. You want explosions? We'll give you some fucking explosions, you fucking morons. Matrix, like, excuse me. <laughs> and, and, and 
that's one of the things I love about this movie. It supports the plot. It supports the character right. development. And like to to be thinking about things like the exosuits as how does this support the you know the the these this this incredible character arc for this character that's objectively the heel to begin with. Like yeah. literally just the worst dude. The worst dude <laughs> that like manages to find redemption for himself and then someone yeah. who's the you know the, the the classic reluctant hero i'm just doing my job and trying to get my trying to make sure my people don't get killed and like you know whatever idiot mm -hmm. i have to take care of on the way fine to support those character arcs with the equipment cool all right this is this is the continuation of uh doug lyman talking about this process all right bring it on baby let's go all right doug let's go doug <laughs> just like your movie go there's a lot of talk about the suit of armor and, and how heavy it was and how cumbersome it was and really what a nightmare it was to film with. And, and it is actually all true. Uh, I, but I, it was important for me. I was making a film about, about real characters behind enemy lines, you know, uh, of, of an, you know, a Europe that's been overtaken. And I didn't want them to be wearing computer generated suits. You know the the go-to in hollywood would be to to make computer generated suits and for a good reason because building suits of armor like this that are actually functioning suits is, is very expensive um to actually build the suits and then uh when you actually have to shoot with a suit of armor like that getting everybody into those suits and then the, physically the toll that it takes on your actors you know this is why is, i'm not an actor extraordinary and the toll it takes on the production is extraordinary but the the flip side of it and when people see edge of tomorrow the the performance that we were able to get out of the suit of armor so mm, mm. the performance is buffering uh oh what's happening here oh it's the aliens they got to them well i know it's, those suits were um it's, it's, in the movie the, they're uh, supposed to be like uh what is the word when they're like they they're like motorized in the movie they're motorized but in real life the, for the actors they were not exactly yeah yeah they they had to they had to move them yeah uh, which one of my favorite lines though was uh whenever he's like got a hole in his chest and he's like you're taking my battery <laughs> you have a hole in your chest you're taking my battery yeah <laughs> i think that for me this is a very funny movie like not like all the time mm -hmm. but enough in a way that like one of my favorite Good genres moments. of movie is like dark comedy, I guess is what they call it. And I think that like, there's just enough moments. First of all, I feel like this is an action film first and foremost, and then cool character development, sci-fi uh, expansion on a theme. And then like dark comedy after that. But the mm -hmm. fact that it did all these things while being a blockbuster failed or otherwise is kind of astounding. And, and you know, um, I, I love that kind of just just subtle humor too with, with everything because like like humor happens in real life. Um, you know, it always does. And, and like, uh, I'm a huge fan of Elmore Leonard the way he weaves humor into his yeah. stories. Uh, so and this this movie's humor kind of felt that some kind of natural like, yeah, Bill Paxton's character. You know, shout out to uh, our late friend of a friend of the show. The king. Um, oh. Yeah, uh, he's friends with Gabe or was back before we lost them. Um, we, anyways. We appreciate the clarification. Thank you, Andy. <laughs> yeah, but no. 
he um it's just nice to know that he's a friend of a friend or yeah, was. he's a good dude he clearly yeah. seems like would be the best dude to hang out with mm-hmm. i and mean his, his performance was so good in this movie too by yeah. nature the fact that you you hear the story of him like talking to fans that just come up to him and with the game over man game over and he was like hmm. ah, it's, you know whatever they like it nice to be known for something you know like they like it yeah more and more people are people saying it more and more one of the sad things though about his his uh (laughs) performance in this is it seems like like he is pretty much unrecognizable until until you know until you see him and it seems like i i don't know if you guys got this impression but like it seems like maybe some of that was the fact that he was like cancer ravaged by this point in his his life i guess that would be the case huh yeah yeah, because you know he he died a couple years after this and he's very skinny and you know and and very like very lean i think and like his he's a little bit his eyes are a little bit sunken in and it feels like my my reading of it at, like seeing it now knowing that he died of cancer a couple of years later is kind of like like it seems like it, it seems like the cancer was taking a toll on him i mean he used that it seems like he also 100 yeah. percent used that for this performance because like it's unrecognizably bill paxton right like he's he's yeah. like it seems like it's it's some like just you know yokel kentucky guy and you like you like believe that because it's not you know it's not like oh bill paxton just ran up to tom cruise it's like this this uh he's like you know pretty much unrecognizable at that point i, I mean that's what you do as an actor i guess i just too, thought he was getting older yeah well i, I yeah. mean like like if you watch agents of shield he, he uh looks pretty good and this came out it around didn't. the same time uh yeah. so so um i don't think he's as ravaged as as force is quite making it out to be but i also think like he did fight some fight for fight <laughs> <laughs> no, I was, I was asking. I was, you know, I was asking whether you guys thought. Was. I'm just um, asking questions. Yeah. He, he was, he was in the uh, training day TV show, and he looks good in that too. But, but you know, talking about Doug Lyman's career as a, you know, as a, as a filmmaker, as both. Uh, all right, so as Garfield's roommate uh, with John, and during the first year of the publication. So originally, he does. I mean, you know, he does swingers as both the director and the and the DP. Which you know means that he was literally filming Swingers, um, but very quickly he goes on to do the Born uh, Born Identity, and then produce the rest of the the, the Born Skip films. Go, well, yeah, it goes. But I, you already mentioned Go, but you know, so, you only get one. <laughs> you got one <laughs> job for that. Hey, you didn't you didn't go. Time. You didn't go. You, you used up your Go money. Pass world. It's <laughs> do over. Not pass Go. Do not collect two hundred dollars. That's the setup. That's the delivery. <laughs> no, but like, so he he produces all of the Bourne films after that. You know, he's the executive producer on it. He makes American Made, which is the the movie about um the CIA doing drug trafficking. Um, is it M M A I D or M A D E? Because I think American, the, the the tick character American Made. Not the Jennifer it? Lopez movie. No, oh. it's American M A D E. It stars Tom Cruise. Yeah. Because there is an America, American M-A-I-D made, which is a pastiche of Captain America and Wonder Woman and, and the Tick Expanded Universe for the cartoon. So another movie that, that he directs, uh, directs, produces, and is the DP on is Fair Game, which is a, a Sean Penn movie where his wife is in the CIA. So he kind of has a long career. of Oh, and he also did uh, Mr. and Mrs. Smith. He, does this, he has this long career of kind yeah. of spy films, CIA films, um, yeah. you know, what if so, spies but hot and married? Yes, that, that was the concern of that movie. Pretty I mean, much, I get it. All, good, no, I, I got it too. <laughs> yeah, like, the point wasn't lost on me. 
pretty much did you hear the part of a spies, but <laughs> yeah, yeah i did <laughs> it's all what if spies but like what if spies but forgot who he is you know all of the born films yeah. like spies mm-hmm. but i i don't i haven't seen fair game so i don't know but you know what i mean like yeah, yeah. Which, that, that was more of a drama like like one of those movies where they're trying to go for the oscar because it's based on the valerie plank thing if i remember correctly oh god <laughs> Ugh. and but like it, it's like i don't know but uh, even um even uh looking at oh, i forgot what the fuck i was gonna say well, the, but that these makes me movies think that he did after edge of tomorrow is that what you're saying no i think these are b- before well those some of them are so so fair okay. game is before um i saw uh, mr Smith, Smith on an airplane which is the perfect way to see that movie by the way <laughs> it's i mean they're like, mo- yeah I think, right. they're, they're, I think they're before Tell that. i mean they're generally before i mean he seems like he does a lot of executive producing now but um okay that's what that's my, that's a job i want i'm gonna you're doing a great job because we need more white guys doing that yeah. exactly thank you yeah. <laughs> executive producer that means you have no involvement whatsoever and to tell everyone they're doing a I great job and to put guys. your name on it anybody else notice that all of the soldiers seem to either be like total rednecks or british people there's nothing in between it's just there the two. nothing it's like, in between it, it's like, it's like the meme there are only two types of soldiers yeah. Hey y'all, war is crazy, okay. and like, oh, pip pip, gonna get my shit shot off. But it's not just yeah. that. The, the, I think that if I remember correctly, the the class of the accent was lower, um, it, with the British people. Like they they weren't That's the, true. You know, yeah. it, it was the more working class uh, accents. I did stuff. notice that. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Um, so, working so, class. So they Kentucky were going with accent. working class. But that's the thing about like uh, English accents. Like like there there are. There, there are levels, and and uh, you got to pay right. attention to that. Like, um, oh, is there, Andy? Tell us yeah, more about it. No, yeah, but there, but there are blue collar working class people in America who don't sound like that. Like, I, I don't know. I just thought it was kind of funny. So anyway, uh... another thing I'd like to say about the Edge of Tomorrow. Oh, though, thank you, Erica. Yes, please. which is that I really appreciated the pacing <laughs> of the like replays of the day because at the beginning it started out where like you saw him wake up. Every time it reset, you saw him wake up and then it started over and he was, you know, figuring it out. And like, as he's figuring it out, you start figuring it out. Cause like a psychopath, I was trying to like tick marks for all the redos at the, when I first started watching this, I don't know. I don't know. My brain is very but like an editor, again. like, cause you edit video. So like you're thinking, well, about okay, it maybe thank you for that. Yeah. I hadn't gotten there, but yeah. Or a psychopath, right. one or the other. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully it's what you said. Is there a difference? I mean, look at Forrest. Well, oh, I can't speak to that, but um, but just like you we know, love, as he's kind of figuring out how editing, things are going, don't we, folks? <laughs> like I was figuring it out too, and like I, but I also appreciated by the time I didn't really need to see him wake up again, they were already skipping that part and like showing him like figure things out farther along. You don't get more information than is necessary to to right, your, yeah. yeah. I, I thought I, that was a really well paced. There's an economy of motion to it. I agree. I think that there, there's, it, it is able. You're able to do more narratively and make it more exciting by not showing. And believe me, I'm a dude that loves art house stuff, right? Of course I do. I've got a, I've got a Criterion Channel subscription. But like, I mean, like, I'd, sometimes it's like, yeah, we get it. You know, it's it's a, it's a yeah. dude got his bike stole. We got it, it. It's different than uh, you know, say like Boss Level, where they actually explain everything with narration. Right, um, and which which is a fun movie. Like, like I, I'm not saying yeah. don't watch Boss Level. Boss Level is great fun, but let's be, let's be clear: it's the New York hardcore level of of uh, you know uh, <laughs> band to Edge of Tomorrow's like uh, massive influential like Gang of Four or something. Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, I, so I, I think that apologies to our New um, York hardcore followers. By another, another, well, another thing about um, like the, I liked Boss Level, but it's it's like you could smell the Axe body spray off of that movie. But I liked it. Yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> Boss Level is definitely. Uh, Gibson plays the villain. I, I, I mean, mean, it's 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 quite. It's everything you want it is, to be. Yeah. Honestly, uh, Frank Grillo is the hero, and he's, yeah, Frank, he's all he's love fun. Frank Grillo. Look, I would yeah. write a movie for Frank Grillo. Fucking oh, tomorrow. Man. Like, set me up. Let's do it. He made Wolf Warrior 2 worth watching. Yeah. Frank Grillo is the fucking man. Frank Grillo, come on the show, please, for the love yes. of fun. <laughs> but no, like, but like speaking about the pacing in, in, in Edge of in Edge of Tomorrow, like the fact that um they're able to number one, like number one is the pacing of him waking up again, right? And they kind of play that for comedy in a bunch of different times where like he gets up and then he's like maggot and he gets up and he's like Mag, like you know what I mean? So they do the, they do the training at the same time as that, and they cut that really interestingly. But mm-hmm. at the same time, um, they also kind of redo the uh, redo his walk through the barracks, I guess, with uh, you know, with with um, yeah, like 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 yeah. So they, they redo Sergeant that walk through Farrell. Yeah, sar- major no master sergeant Farrell. Master he, he sergeant put, Farrell. You put a master sergeant. In, um, so they redo his walk through the barracks and they change the music up depending on the, the, um, like where he's at emotionally within it. So like, there's the one where you can tell Ooh. that he's been, um, changed by the entire experience. Yeah. Yeah, oh yeah, my yeah. God. I'm gonna have to watch it again now. I didn't even think about the music. No, it's the, the musical cues, like where you have the same visuals, but with a different musical cue is a perfect example of how you can use music to change mood. Shouldn't have gotten high first. <laughs> Although, quite frankly, this is a good movie to get high to. You could probably do worse. Just not LSD. Not. <laughs> um. Yeah. So they they've changed, but like, so when he's making YouTube channels that are very popular and for the wrong reasons. When he uh, when he when he gets when he gets jaded by the entire um situation, and he's like, you know, he's done with it, and he's upset. You see, uh, you see his. Um, all of a sudden, the music gets very somber, and he's walking through it, and like you know, yeah. it feels like his whole experience. And that's when he turns to the guy, and he's like, "Listen, I need a battery. I need you know, acre like you know what I mean." But like, but each time, and he seems more desperate in that scene. Obviously, they they shot that scene separately, probably. You know what I mean? Like, but but the whole thing about kind of doing the same scene over and over and over again, and kind of tweaking it in different ways, tweaking the pacing. Tweaking the music is is interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's well. You hit on one of the many reasons why I pushed and pushed and pushed and also pushed for this movie to be on the show because I think it's wildly interesting in all the ways that. When I learned more about Lyman, I almost think it was an accident that it was this good. But like all the intrinsic elements and other aspects to it all came together, and and that this is an ensemble effort mm-hmm. in a way that. We take things for granted, I think, with movies that are like ostensibly quote unquote cool, that like cool things will be happening. There's cool things happening all the time here. And it's sort of like two clicks above the cool factor of where it should be for like a major blockbuster with Tom fucking Cruise in it. And all loved Emily Blunt because Emily Blunt is a stone cold badass in this. And the fact that we've gone over an hour and haven't talked at length about how badass she is and how badass her character is speaks oh. to how interesting this movie is. I'm disappointed I've, in myself now. 
Well, <laughs> I'm disappointed in you as well. No, uh, <laughs> I, I think it's it's everything comes together. Like the editing, like mm -hmm. ju just the design of the of the suits alone. We went into yeah. it at that length, right? The music, how it does the same scenes with different music and evokes different results as like, remember like, and Forrest, you mentioned this earlier in, in our in our oh, very private group chat ugh, about how like The Shining, you recut that. So it's like shine. And it's like, oh, it's a heartwarming tale about a, a son and a dad reconnecting in a hotel. And uh, OK, fine. But it's not just that one thing. It's recontextualization through music and through all these modern elements that manage to make like what is ostensibly like a bizarre crazy ass action movie something mm -hmm. more because there's all these elements working for it and ultimately that's what it should be right but yeah think about if you're working i mean erica you know you work you work in film imagine if you're just like cashing those checks on like some bullshit where you know like this movie's gonna fucking suck but it's gonna pay my rent yeah. so that's fine versus like oh yeah. we're making something rad like this is something that like we're invested in this and everyone we're all going to do our piece to make this as cool as it can be. Mm -hmm. I feel like this was almost accidentally that latter thing. And that's one of yeah. the things that makes it so fascinating to me. Cuz this is one of the like there's other movies that have been try hard movies that have tried to do the kinds of things that this movie does and they fail. And I will stand up for Palm Springs. I think Palm Springs is a good movie. But oh, like I like that one. I liked it quite a bit, but I think Edge of Tomorrow had more to risk by doing something like this because people were like, what? Who's looking for Starship Troopers plus Groundhog's yeah. Day? That sucks. And that wasn't <laughs> like nobody probably. Both of those movies but though. I love all those things too. And I was like, and it's great. <laughs> but what if it was great? And also yeah. Tom Cruise like learned humility as an actor by like playing this character that like maybe is a little bit too true to form like MSNBC liberal PR dude. Holy shit. Do you think that Tom Cruise actually learned life, like the actor learned life lessons through making this movie? I think he may have. I don't know. Wow. Okay. okay. I, I I think he may have. I, and I have, I have evidence to support my supposition, but okay. I, like, I'm not saying he became like the best dude that he could possibly be. I'm saying I think he learned something in the same okay. way that him portraying in Tropic Thunder, the movie executive, who is a character that he clearly has had dealings with before, <laughs> had some level of catharsis that allowed him to do some growth as an actor to kind of yeah. think in things a different way. Uh -huh. Like, I think he really thought about the quote unquote hero's journey of the guy that third time tonight was getting his dick kicked in the dirt 300 plus times every day right that yeah. maybe that makes him get a little existential i don't know i don't know the man i i you know i like his work is is, is he you guys are buddies huh no you guys are friends <laughs> not so much That's so weird we don't talk to these. i i talked some trash on mission impossible so uh no. <laughs> which i've never seen by the way and i absolutely did not do. you've never seen even the first one no interesting okay i'm real busy watching french new wave <laughs> You know what? Cool. And Tom Cruise had really good hair in that movie. I mean, <laughs> no, well, I'm in now. Like, <laughs> honestly, like, like that's uh, it's, there's it's one thing Conan film, cares about. <laughs> but 
the hair on Tom Cruise and that and, and Mission Impossible too, like sets it apart. Like like Tom Cruise has never had as good I, I, hair. I, I'm hearing everything you're saying, but in Trump voice. The hair on Tom Cruise. The hair, Tom Cruise's hair. Uh, I I only watched the John Wick movies like six months ago. So I'm I mean, not mad. Like, I'm not mad at you. Which I also has great hair. Also has great hair. Yeah. Yes. Like I'm just. I'm, yeah. Shout out to Keanu Reeves' hair. Don't don't set your clock by what I will or won't watch because it's it's very bizarre. But I I absolutely adore Edge of Tomorrow. I'll never watch Titanic. And like none of those things make any sense to, to like a lot of people. And it doesn't matter. It's okay. The world will keep spinning without my opinion on it. It's okay. Sorry, Christina. Christina? She did bring up Titanic a lot. Oh, she yeah, brought yeah. Titanic like seven <laughs> times. I'm like, it's you Andy's really Stargate. want to talk about Titanic. Like Christina's I'm... Stargate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like the part where Leonardo DiCaprio went through the smokestack and ended up in another planet. <laughs> I like the fact that Emily Blunt, as I mentioned before, is the hero of this. And Emily Blunt, this is a good, this is where I realized Emily Blunt kicks ass. Like, I was like, Emily Blunt's really good. Like, I, I had seen her in a couple, I was like, ah, she's, she's all right, whatever, you know, cool. But like, I was like, no, she's good. Because she was able to pull off that sort of effortless, like, I'm annoyed by you, but I have to support you in whatever capacity that I have to do. And I will do that and nothing more because I think you are slime. But by the same token, I'm going to protect my people. Great. I, I think she was annoyed by him at times. I think you're right. But I also saw even from the beginning moments where she was kind of like taking him in where she was like, oh, there's something like. <laughs> Hi, Christina. <laughs> That there was some connection there even from the beginning and i think that ties into the the fact that the movie wanted a bit of a love story well, woven in as well even though it wasn't i guess it's according to what i've read in the book there was not a love story at all but who amongst us has not at, at one time or another been attracted to somebody annoying as fuck like it happens right <sighs> yeah <laughs> it does yeah i mean that's real yeah, that's why they're annoying, you know, because you're attracted to them. It's at least part of the reason, I think. I don't know. I've been watching Big Mouth all day, y'all. I don't know. <laughs> all day, Big Mouth. But I think, I think Emily Blunt's character is really interesting, and the fact that you you get to you get to see, like, she's basically. Look, I'm gonna use a comic books analogy, right? Like she, she's like the sci-fi like Captain America of, of, of her time. She's the uh, what's the uh, in Inglorious Bastards? They make the big propaganda film with like the dude shooting. She, she's like the that. She, she's the uh, um, the Lenny Riefenstahl. I'm just gonna ignore these comments, by the way. I love it. Um, I'm glad somebody is. Uh, the she's she's the war <laughs> propaganda. Right. She, she, yeah. she's, she's like, and in the same way that anybody attractive who is, does something cool in war is going to become made into propaganda because that, that's always, that's like what they do. Right. And that's part of like Tom Cruise's job, not as a dude, but as the character of this movie to, to be able to do these kinds of things. And like to see all of that be known and see like just like the around the outside elements of it 
but then also see like that growth of like her be like like you can see the moment in this movie she's like oh maybe this guy isn't a complete piece of shit right like there's that yeah. moment and 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 you're like oh yeah yeah we're all kind of we're all kind of thinking <laughs> we're all kind of thinking about the same thing at the same time I really need to turn in the comments out for the private chat. But anyway, um, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's interesting. Welcome, by the way. <laughs> it's interesting to me that you would get that kind of journey for someone that's basically like the female Chris Evans type, right? Who, who's like, like, like she's meant to be like a badass and she's a badass. Yeah. She's great at doing it, but also like she's, she's a human and to see her like gain a, what we will just charitably call begrudging respect. Mm -hmm to this douchebag who at his top dollar best will say is Keith Olbermann, right? That's top dollar best. Probably, probably like low tier, like, like C grade MSNBC grifter <laughs> in reality, but at his Boy, top dollar best is like, you know, like a polemicist and uh, a charlatan. That's kind of cool because it's gamer spec game time because he has actually changed as a person. And he's, and he's grown and he's become something more than what he was when he started, which, which is a whole hero's journey. Right? Yeah. And it doesn't yeah. often happen in uh, these action movies either. So like, oh, no, it doesn't. You know, You've seen you know, those Expendables? Yeah. And, and, and I mean, uh, I wouldn't say, you know, boss level, not to shit on that movie, but like does, does, uh, you know, uh, does the main character grow? Not really. I think he, he, he fixes some. Pro <laughs> Hair grows. That's about it. Um, but that's about it. You know, uh, you know, what's funny is um, I agree with your point that Emily Blunt's character, Rita, is the hero of the story, truly. But I also don't, I mean, and you see, you do get some of her vulnerability through the movie, but not so much that I thought, like, that I really got enough of her to really consider her the, like, I still feel like the main character was not the hero of the movie. Like, I don't know. I'm not sure exactly what I'm saying here, but something about where I I would have expected like to get more person from the, <laughs> from the, from the uh, you know, for her being such an important character. Yeah. We got, we got her functioning as like, okay, I'm going to help you out. Cause I, I've been through this and like, we're going to figure this out and I'm going to help you save. I'm going to help you save the world slash I'm going to save the world by like guiding you. You know. Well, I, so I think there's there's there could be a cut of this movie. That's just the perspective of her that yeah. would be both critically acclaimed and worth watching, but mm -hmm. wouldn't have reached a larger audience. And I don't say that because I think Emily Blunt is you know not you know a bankable actress or awesome because she's both of those things. But like, right? Yeah, I think but, yeah. I think it's the confluence of a lifetime of Tom Cruise's work coming to the point of like him being this guy that low key sucks and high key <laughs> gets fucked up like 1000 ways till Tuesday. Yeah. That that's the thing that hooks the people in. Right. So then you're they'd be seeing like, a guy learn his lesson, right? Yes. He's like, ultimately like, yeah, he sucks. And, but he learns his lesson in the end. And that's the whole thing. Conan, do you want me to play the the Howard Stern clip? That I would. I think this is a cool as hell clip, and I would love to. Yeah, I'm here for um, it. This is this is of course new um, woke Howard Stern, uh, a, a different <laughs> I think, 
a, a different Howard Stern than the one the, that, the, the last 20 years post okay. going to see a psychiatrist. Like I'm open to it. The, yeah. uh, the new, the new yeah. Howard Stern that of course got replaced as a body double by the Clintons. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's talking about it more and more. <laughs> you know what movie I haven't seen of yours that, that you know that made a ton of money the one you did with tom cruise for some you reason you haven't seen that movie i've never You'd seen like that movie it. oh yeah I mean, do you that, like action movies do you like i yes, love action yeah. movies and he would love this yeah tom is so brilliant in it he's not the earnest action hero he's a total coward he's funny he's like wily e. coyote he's so good in it it's my favorite thing he's done but i, I would think Going on set with a guy who is successful like Tom Cruise would be on the yeah. nervous meter. No, that that one I was scared for. And I had to get into this um, sort of crazy physical shape for it because she's supposed to be this lethal warrior. So I was in training for three months beforehand. And I know that he, you know, is big into doing his own action. And I thought, well, I'm going to have to try and keep up and do all of that. But I was bricking it. I was scared. I also was scared that I thought it was going to be boys club. You know, it was all male producers, male director, male writers, Tom Cruise, male cast predominantly. Mm. And that's usually, to be honest, that's been my experience with a bunch of movies I've done. It's been quite dominated, male dominated. But this one, I did not. It was one of the first experiences I've had where I was completely brought into the fold creatively. And I was in every script meeting and every single change that was made. And I was treated like gold on it, even though my body was like battered around every day on that movie. And I still have an injury from it. But it was an amazing experience. The hardest thing I've ever done, but it was amazing. In other words, it's scary for an actress, for a woman to go on a set. Yeah in a traditionally male run business, those guys get together in a little think tank after every little shot, after every little right. scene, they have a collaboration and you're sort of stuck sitting on the sidelines and not included. As a woman, you can get what you want and you can get your point across, but you got to dance around a bit more. And I still feel that there's a sort of need to slightly contort and accommodate and make sure you can be really nice about it. And like, you can't be too direct because if you're too direct, well, then you're ambitious. God forbid you sound ambitious or sort of tough, you know. So I always get there now. And I feel I can be much more direct now and it won't be taken the wrong way. It will just be accepted as like, no, I'm not throwing weight around. I'm just telling you this is not how it's going to go. But now I think I've earned my stripes creatively as well. So every thing I do going forward now, I will produce it because then they have to listen. But I come with ideas. I will rewrite scenes and people are very open to it now. When a movie's so big like uh, that with Tom Cruise, has he ever asked you to do a sequel? Is there a talk of such a thing? Uh, we wanted that? to. Honestly, I think the movie's too expensive. Is Honestly, that what it is? I just don't know how. Yeah, I, I don't know how we're going to do it. And I think that it's hard to align everyone's schedules. And I would love it. Doug Lyman would love it. Tom would love it. We'd, we'd all love to do it. But I don't, I think until we figure out what's going on with the industry, honestly, I think we need to figure out what is the next roadmap for the kinds of films that people want to make. I would watch the shit out of a sequel to Edge of Tomorrow. 
That's one of the few ones that I think that I would be like. It is in pre-production yeah. and it's called Live, Die, Repeat, and Repeat. <laughs> I don't know if that's real or a bit, but I'm here for it either way. No, no, no. If you look at IMDb, um, it's it's like in early stages of pre-production, which doesn't mean anything. Second second stage thing. Uh, Howard Stern is a great interviewer. And I, I think that that was that was awesome. And Emily Blunt is an impressive woman. And I appreciated that whole clip. And thank you for playing it for us, because I think I pulled that when it was still like I was like, I was like, no, no, you guys have got to do it tomorrow. Here's all the reasons why. And it, it's awesome that you picked that clip independent of me. You know, pushing for it that like you picked that because it's awesome. It's great. Yeah. I uh, I think I got us back on my Twitch. <laughs> well, this that is Angel Princess, everybody. Oh, Angel Princess. Yeah, I let my child name it, and they were four at the time, <laughs> and they really okay. wanted a calico with call it Angel Princess, and she's a torty. Oh. So not to move away from the Angel Princess content, Sorry. but Erica, how do you feel about that clip? Uh, I feel like, uh my my limited experience in that industry is but it's still like pretty spot on with my experience um it's uh, it's the uh, it's frustrating because uh it's kind of similar with with playing in rock bands i think where it's like there are so many there are so many men that you can meet who are doing this kind of work who are fantastic and conscientious and great at what they're doing. They're creative. They're smart. They're friendly. They're encouraging, whatever, you know, like all those things, like they're great people, but collectively I find them frustrating. Um, just because, um, sometimes I'm like, get the, get out. Of, can I say fuck? Yeah. Get the fuck out of my way. No, you can't. Why did you just say that word? <laughs> Um, so yeah, I mean, but I get that, like, you know, obviously, like, I feel like anyone who either is a woman or has known a woman who's tried to do something that isn't being a nurse or being a teacher or being a secretary, like, you yeah. do, like, you do in those roles, you have to, like, do a dance in order to, like, get your points across and try to find a way to be like, hey, this is what I want to be doing. Like, can you help me do that? You know, like, can you, can you help like see my potential and like what I'm already doing? And, yeah. um, I love that she shows up. Cause I, I feel like as, if I was an actor, I wouldn't, I would have a hard time with showing up and being like, Hey, I have creative ideas about this script, you know, Dude. like, because I wasn't there for the writing of it. Probably. Have you ever seen living in oblivion? No. Oh, it's first of all, amazing film. Okay, Secondly, Steve Bashim is incredible in it. Thirdly, there's a oh, Tom Cruise. incredible. There's a, it's maybe his best film. There's a Tom Cruise style stand in that has lots of ideas about like his role and how it should be portrayed. And it's. Wait, is this that movie where he's like trying to make a movie and everything goes wrong? Yes. And he has a relationship with one of the actresses and it's, yes, it's, it's, and it's, oh, it's I have um, seen that. Uh, from uh, 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 being yeah. John Malkovich. Oh my God. Uh, Catherine Keener. Uh, that film. Yeah, that film is brilliant. I forgot the name of it. I'm glad yeah, you said it's, that. Well, and there's there's a character that's ostensibly Tom Cruise. Yeah. 
And he's like, well, I have some ideas about this role. I'm just going to do this totally different thing right now. And it's the, like, the hubris of just like, <laughs> fuck you. Yeah. Or, or just yeah. Jean-Claude Van Damme from Street Fighter. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> totally. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like, Same shit, though. Yeah. Invisible boat. Invisible boat. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if I was writing and directing a movie, I don't know that I would necessarily, at, especially at that point in development where I was shooting, want more creative input because at some point it's too many cooks right i'm gonna tell you right now as you as you know as you know damn well as like the head chef like there's sometimes the 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 amount of opinions that you want is zero because you have so much (laughs) going on yeah you're just trying to keep the fucking ship afloat they're like hey you know i had some thoughts about uh you know the the anchor and it could be maybe you know i think that's a lovely idea i literally cannot hear it right now yeah. And and to the idea they'll have the actors, the actors who are given the most credit and do the least. And I say yeah. that as a fan of acting. Yeah. F- as far as filmmaking goes, be like, I have some ideas for how to make this better. Really? Do you? Yeah. Great. Let's also hear your ideas for the Israeli Palestine conflict and how we can sort <laughs> that out while we're fucking at it. Like, yeah. why don't you do a great thing and act? Why don't you act the shit out of your role and concentrate on that and let me do the directing or make me do the writing or whatever. And like, that's something that there's something to be said for that, but there's also something to be said for like, if you can bring something to it and you'd be like, Hey, I was thinking of like doing it more like this. Yeah. Sometimes that's the key to making like an amazing role. Well, and that's the other side too, where it's like the synergy of like you know multiple people's opinions and views and like if somebody comes into their role and they're like hey i had this thought about it like sometimes it's like oh i didn't think about that let's try it that way well and as an executive producer i always try to hear everybody (laughs) right yeah anyway the best time movie that is not groundhog's day is edge of tomorrow this is objective fact no one may argue were there comments you wanted to touch on conan you know usually like bring up the well, that's have we have we have a bunch of letterbox ones. I'm trying to see. Oh yeah, what a wild idea! More. <laughs> do you want to do I'm right, starting so to have, catch on to the pattern. I have one here. more. I have one more clip to play to get Erica, us the This is why you're my favorite musical side person. That is not Tony Ash, by the way. Oh Thank wow, you. that's this is this is my one. This is my one clip to play to get us in the mood for Conan's signature letterbox bit. Get us in the mood. Yeah, <laughs> to really just to really just you know, yeah, exactly to get us feeling real intimate. And uh, why did Sanford and Sons? <laughs> yeah, I was too much to get it on. What are you doing? <laughs> I'm in the mood for some jokes. That you were talking to people that you've worked with. You always you are known as this kind of the positive force on set. That, you know, we can do this. The kind of <laughs> yeah, is. we can do this. It is it true that Emily Blunt did break your spirits? <laughs> <laughs> It was a particularly no, hard was, day, I will say. No. It was a very hard day. We were the dropship. No, she didn't break my spirit. But there was that moment you, where you, I went. Basically, we're in this dropship. So I don't know if you guys, if you've seen the trailer, we're being dropped out of this ship in our exosuits. And it was a tiny set. They'd made the set really small. It was kind of like as big as a sardine can. And we're all in there. It's so hot in there. There's no air in there. Camera crew are like bumping into us. And we're hanging in the exosuits and harnesses. So like the entire weight of you and your suit is like on your groin. And like people are miserable. People are just like hanging like this, just waiting for them to do <laughs> action. And, 
and Tom, um, that insatiable positivity. I can just see it <laughs> just starting to unravel. <laughs> <laughs> and he was pouring with sweat. I remember looking at him and he was like, guys, please, please roll. Please roll. <laughs> and I just looked at him and I just went, oh, this sucks like that. And he looked at me and he goes, it's a challenge. <laughs> <laughs> I thought because you know what, if I start complaining, it's on. If yeah. I start going yeah. down, it's on. Yeah. And I went, Tom, it sucks. And he went, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I got an okay, fine. Is it? Okay, fine. Let's go. Let's go. The Graham Norton Show. Uh, oh, yeah. Norton, baby. I love how much they love each other. Honestly, like it, it warms my heart. Yeah, because uh, because isn't uh, Tom Cruise notoriously like difficult with his co-stars? I, I've, I, I mean, obviously, I don't know, but I've heard he could be a yeah, real Erica. Dick. How about when you worked with him? What, how was that? <laughs> you guys, you guys both made that movie, right? We're familiar. Yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> that was you, right? <laughs> yeah. No, I think like, we're friends, but we're friendly. Oh, risky business. Every... That was you, right? <laughs> <laughs> sure. I was like four years old. Yeah, it's good. Exactly. Uh, no, I just like every interview that I, I watched with the two of them talking about it. They were just like they were. They were having fun talking about it, and cl they clearly had fun making it, and I really do appreciate that. That counts for something. Yeah. That really does. And, and like, that's one of the reasons why, like, dude, so many people I've tried to talk into watching this film. I should say this final thoughts, but are, are like, no, I won't watch that. That sucks. I'm like, I'm telling you it does not. Well... I will also say that to people when they when that happens to come up in conversation <laughs> that it does not suck. This movie objectively does not suck. Yeah, it's good. it's 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 wildly interesting and a good use of your time. It's as a much good product, as I... it's a good product <laughs> and people love it, and more and more people are talking about it. People are talking about it more and more. As much as I wanted to make a joke about how being a Scientologist makes you unendingly optimistic, uh, you know. Well, I, I, I had a I had a you know good time watching uh, a few months ago Eyes Wide Shut a few times, and it was while I was on a vacation. So. Is great. Was that the first time you'd seen it, or were you, were you revisiting? Yeah, it was the first time I'd seen it, but we ended up doing a a stream on it before this show. But you know, back when I was uh, doing this kind of show, but like on you know Ben Burgess's, uh, but channel. not nearly as good because I wasn't on it. <laughs> but, but we ended up we ended up doing an interesting stream on eyes wide shut where i was sitting on the floor of a um airbnb that i was in in san antonio talking about <laughs> the movie and was real out of sorts for that but um i had this i had the same microphone but it was like in my hand when i was trying to do it but uh yeah no it, yeah. it was it was interesting and and that movie i mean um that's sure about a for Forrest was on a podcast about Eyes Wide Shut and had the microphone in his hand. That's pretty good. <laughs> no, but that, that movie did interest me because just... obviously Stanley Kubrick, you know, killed over and died uh, three days after the movie was finished. Like, he never really got final cut. <laughs> he did? I didn't know that. Yeah. No, that, that, that's very contentious and the source of much conspiracy theorism. Oh, well, okay. I, I, don't, I don't think that, I mean, I don't feel like it's a conspiracy theory. I just feel like it's interesting that it was the longest shoot that Stanley Kubrick or anyone else at that point had ever done. And um, like, like by far the longest shoot anyone had ever done. 
and it was uh he had tortured tom cruise specifically but i mean because you know stanley kubrick's thing is that he tortures at least Shining one of all shining well he, he tortured at least one of all his, that too <laughs> at least one of his actors usually the the woman who's acting but in this case he really fucking hated both tom cruise and nicole kidman throughout the process of filming that movie. So he was torturing both of them and he mm-hmm. tortured them through the longest film shoot he had ever, like anyone had ever done at that point. And Even then killed over than and any died. Of the Terry Gilliam ones. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And, and he, so he tortured them for an, an excessively long amount of time and then killed over and died three days after the movie was finished. Damn. Yeah, where's that time loop movie? Go ahead. <laughs> he, just wake, <laughs> he just wakes up. He fucking dies, wakes up, tortures Tom Cruise. How am I going to fuck with Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman today? Well. (laughs) I'm going to throw Shelly Duvall at them. Wow. (laughs) See, like like, uh, him torturing Shelly Duvall, not cool. Him torturing Tom Cruise, very cool. Yeah. We love to see it, folks. We love to see it. He just put his dick in the dirt. It was just. Shelly Duvall. Yeah, that I mm, I remember reading a bit about that. That was well, she made me seems sad. to be she seems to have been prone to mental illness anyway. So it's like one of those things yeah. where not I mean not justifying it whatsoever. He fucking tortured her. Like yeah, it's she's not still like, a human being. Yeah. But but you know, her her state now I think is you know she played like, olive oil, so she put all her torture rights off the table playing olive oil. <laughs> Right. No, but no, but like the fact that <laughs> which is another uh, Robert Altman movie, but um, <laughs> but you know the fact that she kind of um, I mean I don't think anyone could have known that she was prone to that type of mental illness, but like you know torturing her into uh, something that I think she was kind of preordained to maybe experience in general is an insanely fucked up story. Yeah. Um, because they, cause some, I don't remember. I think it was Doctor Phil that like hunted her down pretty much and got her for an interview and she like had gained like a hundred pounds and was like like just out of it and like it was like an insanely sad thing to watch which of course everything that dr phil does is insanely sad to watch and that he is the worst mental health professional i would love to talk to shelly duvall well that guy's not actually a psychologist i thought you say you would love to talk to dr phil (laughs) no No, god andy andy you need to get your stuff together you need to get it together andy Andy, when I was on the set of Saul, let me tell you. <laughs> Andy, but, I was on the set of Saul, and talking to you makes me want to saw my leg off even more. <laughs> every time I hear you bring up Stargast, I want to saw my own damn leg off, man. <laughs> Which, by the way, Oprah gave us both Dr. Phil and Dr. Oz, who is now <laughs> running for the most uh, toxic Trumpian race against John Fetterman. Uh, probably who's the best who, dude who, who is that. a great dude and has yeah. the puffiest jackets and i, I really... fuck with i fuck with and has big jackets. bouncer energy like in way that like <laughs> yeah he does that like roadhouse could only ever imagine as a, yeah. a movie that celebrates bouncers as celebrities like john fetterman would be like the hulk hogan of uh bouncing no, i, I seri- do a lot I, of I'm sorry i don't i seriously love that dude everything i've seen Fetterman's great the, yeah <laughs> He's also like a million miles tall too, which is amazing. He's really like, he's really like only like gas station search. Which his is politics, his politics are like amazing. bouncer Bernie Sanders. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I'm for it. Like, I'm here for like it. a like a guy that wants to kick you out of the bar, but then also make sure you have health care in case you land too hard. <laughs> I'm gonna have to punch you, but you will get free health care after I'm done roughing you up a little. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to make sure that any injuries that you suffer 
a doctor will be able to see you and it'll be okay. Don't I know worry. he's from Brooklyn, but like Vermont does not feel right that way. Like Vermont seems like such a chill place. I mean, I, I've for the last, I, I really, I never hung out in Vermont until this pandemic. And then both summers I went to Vermont for like a, an extended vacation. Um, and I, I don't know, Vermont gives me big burning energy. It really does. Like, I, <laughs> you know, just, I, I went to Ben and Jerry's, you know, both, both summers. Like it, yeah. it just, I was just like, you know, this is, this is a Bernie place. Like I'm, I'm happy I came here. <laughs> Erica, have you like seen uh, Bernie Sanders' old public access show when he was mayor? Uh, I saw a clip from it, which was hilarious. So great. I happened to see. He's like running around the mall, like interviewing goths and stuff. Yeah, Yeah, he was interviewing anarchists, like goth anarchists. Bernie Sanders interview with uh, Elon Musk. What I love, if I may, Andy, just real quick. No, I haven't. No, no, you got to see this. What What I love is he also interviews children. But he does not engage with them as if they were children. He engages with them as if, no, the thing about that is that, like, like he'll, like, engage them with as if they're, like, adult human beings that have, like, fully formed political ethos. No, the reason why that's wrong is blah, blah, blah. Like, he'll, like, he just Bernie Sanders. Bruce Wayne would vote for uh, the Republican in that race. It's unfortunate. Uh, No, he was talking to the kids about drugs. Yeah. They, no, actually, well, you know, it's like they're like seven-year-olds too, and it's just, it's 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 fantastic. It's it's it's, it's a wonderful thing. Um, <laughs> it's a wonderful thing. No, but no, he had those kids. Is that that one kid that was like sitting next to him? And he's like, he's like, you know, drugs are uh, very bad, and let me tell you why. And then it's like he's having this. He's like, have you ever done drugs? It's like yeah, it's like, like the he's the, fucking seven years old, Bernie. No, he hasn't fucking done any fucking crack. All right. I, you know, I, you know anyone that smoked crack? Just listen. If you do, you should report them. <laughs> I had yeah, some it's, Tylenol. I did drugs. It's adorable. <laughs> it's adorable. It's, ador- it's adorable. It's a fantastic. I I really I don't I didn't like uh, I didn't like watching uh, Trevor Noah <laughs> comment on those clips though. Because I just don't like Trevor Noah. No, so. but you should watch the Bernie Sanders Elon Musk interview. It is hilarious. I haven't seen that. It's a link is in the comments. Oh well, I'll I'll get right on that. Thank you. Uh hey, y'all remember Edge Tomorrow? Remember Wait, what? <laughs> what a what a what a great movie with the worst title. Like this a title by committee. Yeah, I know we covered this already, but like, for real, it's a nothing title. I can almost get why you would want to not name it. Um, all you need is kill. Well, um, sure. I, I mean, like, I could see like the estate <laughs> of the Beatles being a little upset because in the original Japanese, it might be a little more cheeky, uh, or or something. I don't know. Um, but 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 like you know, the cheek factor. Uh, people like me could get confused when they go to the theater and think they're seeing a Beatles movie. <laughs> Oh, like free solo? Guys, was that on air? We talked about that on air, right? Yeah, that- I think so. I bring it up as often as I can because I think no, it's, it's really it's, funny. It's a, this is that is a classic Erica Stroud story, so I appreciate that you do. Yeah, like you would make it only be you. Like, oh, I, I can't you. believe the new documentary is out from uh, Peter Jackson about the Beatles. Let's go see. All you need to do is kill. Right. <laughs> That's the one person that all the lawsuits are for. Exactly. <laughs> But no, it's, it, um, uh, yeah, I mean, like, like, I can understand, you know, not necessarily wanting to keep that title uh, on there. Um, 
but like i think know. live die repeats good yeah like yeah. that was somebody was like ah it's got die in the title plus it's james what? bond we can't really pull it off so it's hard it. i don't know okay, yeah yeah die what another day is there a lit is there a bond movie with the word live in the title yeah live and let die so that one has both of both live and die in it so you can't best of both worlds it's a compromise it's bipartisanship in action and you got paul mccartney it just reminds me of staff meetings when i had an office job you know like it was so fucking painful well wait i have this other thing to say about this like what if and it's like no one's gonna think that about that thing yeah, just best, please. Best Bond title, though. I mean, seriously, like, like okay. I'm gonna. Little Dies a good title. I agree. Yeah, no, like, like just the song. Oh, the song, yeah. The song is the best title theme for a Bond film. Look, I would make that argument. Hey, you guys, ready to do Letterbox? I am. I am so ready. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> please, Conan. All right, Conan, you want to cue this up? Absolutely. Letterbox is a social media site is a place for film people, place for people, humans of all ages yeah. and regions and et cetera, et cetera, to talk about is a mimic. Talk about film <laughs> with at and to each cool. other. It's a bottom up democracy. Anybody can say anything about anything. You can make long protracted reviews like I do about a film or you can make an observation, perhaps pithy, perhaps funny and perhaps short, such as a one liner, which is what I do for this bit for this show where I pull the ones that I think are clever or, you know, funny. You know, just notable in some fashion to talk about the film that we have talked about at length for literal hours <laughs> to have some person on the internet summed up in one sentence or two. I think we've only talked about it for 15 minutes, though, to be fair. <laughs> it's the holiday season. What can you say? <laughs> that's, that's the, okay. Eric. Wish my life was just was just Emily Blunt shooting me point blank in the face every day. <laughs> Notice 914 likes, by the way. You must have a <laughs> shitty life. Okay. That that's that I feel like that's a millennial thing. Anyway. Emily, <laughs> if you read this, I'm free on Thursday and would like to hang out. Please respond to this and then hang out with me on Thursday when I'm free. And only gave it three and a half stars. <laughs> <laughs> that's tie with that one. <laughs> the thing is Netflix watch 2018. Yeah. Those are the tags. <laughs> what what are what are movies meant for if not Emily Blunt in power armor wielding a buster sword and fighting spaghetti aliens while trapped <laughs> in an apocalyptic time loop romance? <laughs> Claire Diane. Tom Cruise is honestly question mark kind of a himbo in this. <laughs> Ellie Bean. What's a himbo? Is that a bimbo, but a guy? A, a, a yeah. dude bimbo, yeah. Why? It's a, it's every... a handsome bimbo. That's what, that's what it is. It's like guy like Oh, right? handsome. But bimbo, I think, automatically implies that you're attractive, right? Yeah, uh... but a bimbo is a bimbo is a female. So it's like a himbo is handsome bimbo. But it has to be a male version of the thing. Okay. All yeah. Right. Hmm. Like, I hate the manny versus nanny. <laughs> Man. I'm not here for that. <laughs> A male nurse. I'm a male nurse. Okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Bugs me. 
the male nurse of the show. Watching Tom Cruise die over and over was strangely therapeutic. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Bolt. We've gone yep. over that at length. So. Yep. I agree. Is there anything funnier than the scream Tom Cruise lets out after getting run over by a truck? <laughs> That's the, only, the only thing funnier would have been if they replaced it with the Howard Dean scream. Ah! Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> ah! I don't remember what I sounded like. Brian yeah, no, no, that's what he, this is what it sounded like. Brian Espicia? Anyway. Like the opening to Saving Private Ryan with a respawn function. <laughs> Who is 50? What's sexier than time loops? Nothing. Yeah. Meriwether. I have questions for Meriwether. <laughs> Battle is the great redeemer. It is the fiery crucible in which true heroes are forged. Uh -huh. The one place where all men truly share the same rank, regardless of what kind of parasitic sum they were going in. Okay. That's not, you said that. You, you read that wrong. Battle is the great redeemer. It's the fiery crucible in which true heroes are forged. The one place in which men truly share the same rank, regardless of what kind of parasitic scum they were going in. You gotta do it with the Kentucky, the Kentucky accent. No, I, 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 I look. I know how the original role was read. I'm choosing <laughs> to do my the, acting. You're auditioning for the for the remake for the yeah, remake. I did think that was an interesting quote from him because it felt like he was he was like pointing, like he was making the point for the audience that like, hey, this guy is a fucking parasitic piece of shit, like. Yeah. You know, like, and not as if you need more help to like figure it out, but like, he was like reinforcing that with that quote. But also looked how rehearsed it was too. So like the one time when when he gets screwed up with it uh, because Tom Cruise is interrupting him. Yeah. Um, like, Just like, like the show. Go ahead. He he was able to <laughs> jump right back into it uh, after after a little prompting. Yeah. So Danielle, eighteen oh six. Yeah, I, I just had to do a Herzog reading. Sorry, I guess it didn't fly. Whatever. We can do another take, right? But that was the. I can't do that. Um, the, this isn't live. The <laughs> thing that I don't know. The thing that I that I felt like with this is that it kind of remind. It's just like the um, it's the NPC meme kind of. You know what I mean? Like the the non playable character. Like you go into a situation and you have this person just like read out the script to you and you're like, Oh, well, yeah. Like, all right. And they, they did it. Like they, they did a really good job with it. That every time he got fucked up with something, he just seemed extremely confused because it was like, he was reading this like video game NPC script. Mm. That was, that, I don't know. That was, that was my take on it, but <laughs> I see that. If Groundhog Day was also D Day. It's Gowntog Day. Dick in the grog. Gowntog. <laughs> it's jamming. Jamming? Yamin? I'm going to say jamming. I don't know. I'm jamming. <laughs> I want to jam it with you. I feel like it's that and more stuff. It's Groundhog Day if it was D-Day, but also there's more there. Sure. To like Starship Troopers. And... Andy, get get jamming on the phone. Let's let's uh, Let's talk about this. Okay. We're jamming. See what I can do. We're jamming. And I hope you like jamming too. Anyway, um, starting with Erica. Uh, Wait, hold on. Movie Night Extravaganza yeah, yeah, yeah. on Letterboxd. Uh, I am on at Kona Neutron, Jandrew World. Uh, right about now, Matthew Film Guy, a bunch of people on the show are, uh, Renee Ruin are also on there as well. Follow all of us on Letterboxd. Uh, Letterboxd, a place for film. Thank you very much. Not a sponsor. 
All right. I wish Letterbox was a sponsor, but fucking you know. let's get to it. Let's I go. I sent them the email. They 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 never responded. They're washing their hair. <laughs> Send yeah. them the clips. But uh, Erica, you know, although you haven't seen Uncut Gems, which you know, <laughs> despite your flaws of not having seen Uncut Gems, <laughs> the one flaw I can think of not yeah. seeing Uncut Gems, um. You know, any final thoughts on this movie, ideas? I'm sure you have notes that you wrote down. Uh... <laughs> More than I did. I wanted to feel really prepared this time. Um, I didn't write down final thoughts, but I will say uh, squid tumbleweeds, super fun. Seeing those things move, crazy. <laughs> Very scary. Uh, but, like, I loved all of the infused comedy and... Um, even even the like mild love story, like I I enjoyed that part of it too. Even though it was like I felt like it was it was well understated. Like it wasn't something they were like really pushing, which was nice. But um, but yeah, so just, when he just straight up when he when he straight up is just like, uh, hey, you ever tried this one thing? And she's like, what sex? Yeah, I've tried that. <laughs> Fuck you, got some kind of fucking virgin. Fuck you, dude. No. <laughs> It's all Wild big team. mouth is all jumbled in up here at this point, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I just I really appreciated all the like careful consideration that went into this movie, and I noticed that uh, Rotten Tomatoes gave it a ninety one percent, which I agree with. Yeah, it, it seems like it seems like it was different enough to to warrant something like that. I think um, Conan. Emily Blunt biceps. Uh. <laughs> Emily Blunt's biceps are awesome in this, by the way. Props. Props. Uh, people are talking about it more and more. Anyway, so. <laughs> the rest of her, not so much. The rest of her is just fine, Erica. <laughs> I obviously love this movie because I push for it and push for it and then also push for it some more because I think this is a this is one of the more interesting movies in the last 15 years in the genre. Uh, I I'm, I both love and am incredibly skeptical and <sighs> misplaced optimism all over the place for anything action and sci-fi. And this manages to do cool new stuff with it while also taking the things that I love about those genres and kind of turning them on its ear. It also happens to take a film icon, whether it's an icon that we personally identify or not, and show them in a completely different way. And show them in a way that like lets us see a character arc for a character that we all see all the time, whether it's on Twitter or on cable news or whatever, and see some actual growth. Like the hero's journey is like Tom Cruise's character learns how to be a human being and actually becomes heroic, even as an ancillary character. And by the same token, you have like the arc of Emily Blunt's character, who's basically like, you know, the the humans versus alien Lenny Riefenstahl uh, protagonist of the propaganda films of, of fighting the aliens, but also yeah, essentially, <laughs> I mean, like, let's be real. Right. But also doesn't want to see the world run be run over by this invading force and honestly has her heart in the right place. And then you get to see all this put together in a way that like, like the clown, the wily coyote of, of this entire operation, the least suited, the least self-aware of all of them happens to be the one that cracks the code to all of this 
utterly by accident and then manages to find enough growth in himself to know when to ask for help, which is key and intrinsic to this movie and why it has so little to do with reality in a lot of way. But I, I think it's fucking awesome. I think this movie, if it was called, look, Edge of, like Edge of Tomorrow is the kind of thing. It's like, you know, it's like John Smith. What? What name did you just say? I already forgot it. Like Edge of Tomorrow is eminently forgettable. The movie is not. And this is one of the rare cases where, look, I know about, I know all about dangerous nomenclature. I got a record called dangerous nomenclature coming out next year, but like they should have called this almost literally anything else. All you need is kill would have been better because that invokes Roger Corman, right? You're all like, you all right. need is kill. Live, die, repeat would have been fantastic. And this movie should be something that everyone discusses, not just the people on this show. And I think this has been an interesting discussion. And I think this movie is really awesome. And I think this movie is wild underrated. And I think it's honestly probably one of my favorite things Tom Cruise has been in. And not just because we get to see him ostensibly go through purgatory. Right? Like, I think he actually show there's a growth to that character that wouldn't it be awesome to see that same growth and all these same types of people that we see on the cable news and Twitter and whatnot. Like, wouldn't that be great to see them go through a time loop where they just get their fucking ass got like 300 times in a row before they learn a single lesson. Awesome. And the fact that like it managed to be like, Hey, he done good. Does that guy suck? Yup. Did he get less sucky? Yes, he did. And credit where credits do. Don't got, give him too better much credit. Fighting anyway. <laughs> well, for sure. But I mean, I, I think that this is this is the the only allowable action movie redux of Groundhog's Day, other than boss level. Frank Grillo come on the show because I think that it it pushes that idea forward. In, in a way that a lot of these films use the same conceit don't. And, and, and action movies don't, action movies are not progressive. Like they don't move forward. Like Expendables, the whole franchise is the most reactionary thing that you could possibly imagine. Cause it's literally just like, Hey, remember those things you like? Here's the nostalgia of all the people you like doing it. Except right? for that one scene in the first one with Mickey Rourke. Like, like that is the complete <laughs> exception of that entire series. And it's an amazing scene. And uh so so you know but, true, true. But but I think it's weird, it doesn't belong in the movie. Look, it there's a reason, better film. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I think this film is awesome and it, and there's a reason why i push for it over and over and over again to be included on the um movie night invasion series because i think more people should watch it and i think that like there's a world where this movie is discussed about uh you know in general uh often and, and i think that that's a world that i would i would like to live in and, and like I said, this is the first movie that made me really pay attention to Emily Blunt. And, and like, I think that she does a great job with, I think everybody does a fantastic, this is a great ensemble piece. And it's an ensemble piece in the same, in a very different way than something like Arrival, right? But it's got big Denis energy because like, you're like, 
you go away with it being like, that was pretty fucking good. Rather than being like Matrix 2, like, huh, that sure was a sequel to a movie I liked. <laughs> All right. I like it. It's good. Andy? I'm going to agree with Conan on most everything, but I would say one slight thing is that there's um, sci-fi movies at their best usually try to say something. Uh, and outside of the growth of the character of Tom Cruise, which is fantastic, um, that doesn't really talk much about society in the film, but that's okay because it's... I disagree. Okay, I, I, I'd like to hear that, but but uh, I, I don't think... Um, uh, it dealt that much. I mean, outside of uh, Tom Cruise being like a, a lanyard shithead and then grows to be a real boy, um, you know, that outside of that, which is fantastic and more movies need something like that. Um, I, I don't, th I, I think there was like a, a missed opportunity to really put something larger in there. But at the same token, this movie is a masterclass in use of music, film, cuts, editing, like, like, all the stuff that went into making it, the special effects, even the computer generated stuff, because like there was no practical effects outside of the suits. Like, like I mean, I don't, all I don't the alien think, stuff was CG. I think that it very much says something about our society specifically. And I think that it's talking about the militarism of, of, of our society, the way that we prey on certain people to join these military militaristic ventures. And, you know, then it kind of, I, and which is the reason that I kind of read out Doug Lyman's um, uh, filmography, and we didn't really talk about it after that. But the reason that I think that he has that filmography is that he's kind of the um, more futuristic um, intelligence agency director, right? Like the the movie that he made, the other movie that he made with Tom Cruise um, is literally about uh, it's controlled opposition, basically, with um, Tom Cruise playing a. Um, they kind of make up the story of Tom Cruise playing um, a, a famous, um, you know, drug smuggler that was working with the CIA for a long time. And it's kind of re yeah, but that's that a different story. movie. We're talking about we're talking. About no, but so I, I think that I think that that, you know, this is a director that has kind of spent his career talking about intelligence as a community, talking about the future of things like the CIA. And this movie is essentially saying that the future of militaristic um propaganda the, the future of militaristic ventures are going to be um these soldiers of fortune are going to be these highly trained specialized um soldiers but they're not highly trained specialized soldiers because if you he, go back he and watch he no, 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 no. hold up hold up hold up they, because when you watch the, the the whole like thing the line about emily blunt's character is that she had no training she got this suit and it made her a fucking superhero and that's what they kept repeating over and over again at the beginning. Uh, that that well, oh, it turns no, out not to be true. Yeah, it, it, it's it's. Um, it turns out know. not to be true, and it turns out being that she was in a time loop, and that she got but, to go again and again and again and figure out the weaknesses and the the actual. Yeah, yeah, no, no. I mean, we we got all that, but like the you know what what you're saying is is that that um you, you know you just said that that uh, uh that that the movie was saying that that um. Uh, uh, you know, you really need specially trained people, but that is it really saying that? Um, by the end of it, Tom Cruise and, and Emily Blunt are both highly trained, specialized soldiers of fortune, and they make that point within the movie. They have a line where they're like, She is essentially a soldier of fortune. And the, the point that I don't think that necessarily is overtly propagandizing this, but the future of military ventures are going to be the technology first. 
and it's going to be this this idea of a soldier not as someone on the ground with boots on the ground because that is a, a position that's non-technologically non-technologi- uh, advantageous. And as we kind of get into these um, these cybersecurity wars with China, as we get into these more uh, in- intelligence agency, you know, uh, fomented ventures, it's going to be people like that that are kind of um, privatized and, and trained to go into these situations, trained over and over and over again to be technologically uh, savvy rather than kind of just being soldiers with the boots on the ground. And I think that um, when you look at Doug Lyman's career, it's kind of been propagandized to be that style of uh, you know opposition to militarism in the sense that we know it. And, you know, the movies again and again and again kind of play into that same theme. So I I don't think that it's necessarily saying that I don't necessarily think that it's not necessarily military military propaganda. But I I do think that it's another movie that kind of plays into that same kind of theme. Well, I I think I think what you're trying to say is that it's pro that. I'm. I, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't. I mean, know I mean like, like whether or not it was intentional. Like, that, that, that's, that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Well, it's kind of, it, it's, you know, kind of predicting the future of uh, militarism, which, under the Biden administration, we are seeing right now. We are seeing technologically advanced people. We are seeing them send, like, uh, you know, on the boots, uh, boots on the ground troops in Afghanistan have been replaced by these special ops Marines and have been replaced by um, targeted drone strikes. Uh, completely and they've taken the the on the ground like soldiers the infantry out of the the equation and replaced them by technologically technological advances and um you know like different kinds of 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 drones and by um you know only kind of having specialized uh terrorist hunting marines um and terrorist hunting special ops kind of going into these situations and doing the Tom Cruise thing where they're like, you know, armored up and kind of being the, the, the very specialized technical soldiers that can actually hunt uh, terrorists in, in, in their viewpoint. So I think that just Doug Lyman's work in general kind of takes that stance rather than going into it with fully kind of a, a you know, infantry first. And, and is, uh, this movie's honest about the infantry. Like just kind of being disposable. But do you, do you feel that that carries through to this movie? Because I feel like this movie, yeah. like whether it's by accident or you know or on purpose, I, I don't. Feel like I this... don't think there was a purposeful message in this movie. Is, is yeah. uh, what I'm trying to get at. And I apologize if I if I if I didn't quite articulate that uh, well enough. But I I don't. Think you can that... subscribe to Forest Substack to hear more. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think just just this movie in a vacuum um, really, you know, says that much uh, beyond like, isn't this a cool movie and isn't this well done? Um, and okay, maybe you can make that argument of of accidental like, you know, promoting the Biden uh, uh, planning, but I, I don't. Uh, I don't. It's not the, the the Biden part is irrelevant. I just think the yeah, future of warfare. No. The, the, the future of warfare is going to be technologically savvy and it's going to be um, far more far more kind of privatized soldiers of fortune, which is what these characters are by the end of it. Not in the beginning of it. He's just kind of well, a, they're not really privatized either. I mean, they, they, they don't quite go as far as what you're saying. You're, you're reading a lot into this because they're still working for the, the military. Yes, they went off on their own and did their own thing. 
Um, but they, they, they but it's, you know. it's conceptually the soldier of fortune idea. Like the idea that these, these specialized soldiers are going to be able to come in. And the only way to kind of defeat these existential enemies is going to be someone who's specialized trained outside of the U S military, because that's what they are. And well, no, and, but they and, get trained. No, those, those, they're um, in an international military. It's a okay, those mercenaries force. are trained by the U.S. government or are trained by the Colombian government, funded by the U.S. government. That's not true. That's absolutely it's true. The mercenaries, and they they're privatizing the mercenaries as a concept, and the fact that she's on these bus, these bus things or whatever, and they're kind of using her as this kind of avatar of of militarism to sell the idea of it in general she's as a this warrior. kind of. It, yeah, it's it's like the Lenny Riefenstahl thing, right? That part, like, I don't know about the rest of what y'all are talking about, but, like, that part, like, is pretty transparent, right? But it's, like, but it's the same thing as, like, uh, if you watch, like, The Boys, like, or, like you know, that kind of, um, like, the, the idea of creating these these technologically advanced soldiers, I mean, they're trying to sell them to the U.S. military and The Boys, but, like... Which, which The Boys actually has a lot of deeper political machinations. And, and this movie does, it. too, because he's, no, he's a PR doesn't. guy. He's a PR guy. They're they're talking it's, about advertising. It's talking about, about the way the military character, sells and they're you. not really saying anything about about uh, society. They're just having this great arc of a character. And, I mean, and, I, don't, I don't agree with that. Then I, I I think that there is there is more of a, a a cue about the way that things are sold to you. The way that these um it, it ends up being that these kind of soldiers of fortune, these mercenaries, not in the sense that they're paid to do things, but in the sense that they're trained separately, they're outside of the military itself. Um, within that, within that context, it's not like the military is training him and they kind of come in and they're able to defeat like an existential enemy outside of that military military base the entire time. The, the, all the training sequences was from, right, but, but the people like, it's not like generals are training him. He's, Kind of training himself well, outside. No, of I, I mean, he took himself outside. That seems it's, out of the It's norm, a rugged individual. Right? Uh, um, yeah, exactly. Isn't that exactly. the norm that he didn't get any training? Although I do remember him, like in his PR role, him saying something about like, "Oh, we have these suits that we've developed, yeah. and now we can have soldiers this, with minimal training, and, and can do maximum damage." And that's yeah, the whole damage. thing. It's it's like the 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 the, the PR is is um, was to set up his character more than it was to say anything about anything. I don't agree with that. I, I think that it says everything about where the military is going, where the military is now, and the future of yeah. kind of the but, idea of But like I said, you're a, wrong a, because you, you're, you're completely in a delusional state by saying that, you know, the U.S. military doesn't train the, uh, uh, the, the you know, like Blackwater people. They were all before no, the military US does military. train the Blackwater people. That's um, not what I'm saying. The, I'm just saying Columbia is also the number one trainer of mercenaries in the world right now funded by the U.S. government. I'm just saying we that it's, 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 it's having the future of that kind of soldier being put into a situation like this. It's having the future of that kind of like intelligent soldier of fortune coming in after learning all of those skills and being able to defeat things as a special op. And that's kind of what they're doing right now in Afghanistan but again, itself. They're not doing it as a privatized force. They are still part of the military. They Which just is what they're doing go, now they in go Afghanistan. AWOL. They went AWOL. That's the point of the film. They went AWOL. This is a rugged individualism story, not a, a uh, story about uh, mercenaries. I disagree. I think that it, it 
builds to the point where you expect that in the future, the the, the future of this is going to be mercenaries. It's going to be soldiers of fortune outside of the military of structure. You're, you're, you're creating an ending. Like, like, like we all kind of create endings to movies that are open as this one was. Because he gets there. We don't know if it, hey, uh, if uh, Tom Cruise and Emily Blunt hook up or anything like that at the end of the film. We don't know what the, what the future uh, uh, is going to happen. We just know that, oh, it looks like we defeated the aliens. They end it there. And now you're creating your fan fiction here. And, and, no, because I don't think he's being paid by anyone. I'm not creating a fan fiction. I'm just saying it's creating this idea in your mind, this idea he's a PR guy in general. Like it's creating this idea of a a, a separate force a soldier that gets trained outside of this normal chain of commands that gets to come in because of his own training, because he was getting in his own way outside of the U S military, this special ops training. It's not through a, a company. It's through the fact that, you know, they have this uh, angel of, of Verdun character that's gone through this battle already. And that that's been separated from things because she knows the, the, the time capsule thing, but it it's, it's yeah, like, but, but at the, the end thing of is, it, though, is like we haven't had a war hero like this since um uh was it Pat Tillman? Like that that's what she is is Pat Tillman. She is not Pat Tillman. Pat Tillman's entire thing is that he was against the military in general by the end of it, and he got killed by the military for that reason. But he never has nothing to do with it. this. Like, like he was privately and was was going to become public about it. But the thing is, though, was in the military. But when he joined the military, when he quit his NFL job and went into the military, he was used as a uh, poster child. He was basically what Emily Blunt was. Um, we do that now. Yeah. Well, we don't. We don't have those. Uh, n- name somebody. That's uh, that's you know uh, uh, maybe American Sniper, but like you know we just create these you know mythologies about sol- certain soldiers that yeah but are like, already like we don't know the, their names though is is like like you know this uh, like Emily Blunt's character um, we, we you know like uh, it, outside of like Pat Tillman and American Sniper who who or in the uh, freaking Steel Team Six guys who are trying to make a name for themselves and all claiming that they you just them. listed like ten people. Um, but like they're doing it themselves. They're they're trying to make the PR themselves, not the US. No, they're not. Unlike Pat Tillman. No, they're not. Fucking Chris Kyle or whatever, the American sniper guy, got famous after he fucking died. No, he he wrote that freaking book. He was famous. He wrote wrote a book, but then the story of his his life kind of came from the fact that he got killed. From the fact that he got killed, we mythalize we myth create we create mythologies about each of these characters like each of these soldiers or whatever we have multiple people that were in battle like a fucking dan dan crenshaw as an example yeah dan but these, crenshaw these was someone who, just, who, who joined the military and then got the military. famous after the fact because he got into politics it's a yeah, similar no, but thing they're, they're making their own you know they're, they're not the u.s government is not making that that story oh i guarantee you the we're, u.s government opposed... is making that i'm guarantee you the u.s government well there's and other no people evidence are going are going but there is evidence about columbia and uh you know the you know where we actually do get our mercenaries from. Mer- mercenaries come from a lot of fucking places. It's Columbia not just mostly. from Colombia. It's yeah, Colombia is a big majority. I'm I'm just saying I'm just saying that these outside forces are trained and it's getting you ready for the idea that people with these mythologies, people with these stories, are going to come get trained outside of the chain of command. Yeah. Okay, we're, we're just going repeating to be... ourselves. We are just repeating ourselves over and over again here. Um, and we were in, just uh, like the movie you're living, debating, <laughs> repeating. Yeah. I, 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 and I, I don't think we're going to get this resolved. 
but I, I heartily disagree with you. And that's my closing thoughts, Forrest. No. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, I feel like you're outside the chain of command here. Yeah. Also, I'm Soldier, very Soldier, you're chain. you're insubordinate. Anyway. Hicks is now first in command. Corporal Hicks. <laughs> Isn't that right, Corporal? <laughs> Master Sergeant Hicks. <laughs> I, I just think the entire thing is about mythology and the, the you know the way that we mythologize these these stories. I guarantee you he was on fucking CNN the next day talking about how he was outside of the chain of command and you know defeated these enemies. Well, let's watch live repeat die live die repeat and repeat and find out if that's true. Live die repeat appear on mm-hmm. CNN and that's repeat. <laughs> <laughs> repeat of course is when he when he shows up on msnbc anyway my final thought is no matter what we do how carefully we plan we can't get off this beach Hello.